Hello and welcome to Game Warp. I'm your host Edward Jones and joining me as always is my co-host and partner in crime, Miss Kim Lowe. Hello, how are you doing? I'm good. And today we are joined by a very special guest. Uh, he is not only the owner of Super Warriors Games, uh, but he is also the creator of the forthcoming Kaiju Big Battle Fighter Fantasy. It of course gives me great pleasure to welcome to the show Paul Harrington. Welcome to the show, Paul. Hello, thank you for having me. Um, well, thank you for obviously joining us. Uh, obviously, your new game, which has just recently been greenlit on Steam, is Kaiju Big Battle Fighter Fantasy. Um, now, I just obviously have to ask for anyone, those obviously not familiar with Kaiju Big Battle, it's basically what pro wrestling and Kaiju movies combined into one live spectacle are. So, if you've not seen this, certainly get yourself over to YouTube and you will get find yourself some very unique videos to say the least but um Paul, i mean what obviously brought you to working with kaiju big battle well i've been a fan of them for years and um they've been performing for about 20 years now and i think the first show i went to was in 2002 in boston and i've just been following them ever since and i've always been a fan of giant monster movies and i've been a fan of kind of the silly spectacle of wwe style wrestling yeah and and the combination of the two was just so absurd that it just completely drew them, drew me to them. And I just had to see, I remember just seeing signs for it saying live monster wrestling around Boston. <laughs> I just said, what in the world could this possibly be? And I've just been hooked ever since. It's, um, it's been a bit unfortunate for myself, again, also a big monster fan, but the fact is uh, here in the UK, they've yet to actually make it over to the UK as far as I'm aware. And it's been kind of a shame because you see all these wonderful videos of the events that they hold and you kind of like, I really want to go and watch like Dr. Q fight some guy called um, chicken noodle soup or the yep. plantain <laughs> twins. It's sort of like you're there trying to describe the shelf to your work. And unless they're initiated into sort of the world of Kaiju movies, they think you're off your rocker, but yep, it's, uh, it's certainly an unusual one. I mean, Kim, you'd never heard of Kaiju big battle until I dropped it on you sort of about a week ago. <laughs> I know. And then I started checking it out. It's uh, unique, as you call it. Yes. Yep. Very unique. So, obviously, with Kaiju Big Battle, it, as you said, it's like Kaiju movies meets WWE. Um, what sort of inspired you then to make what, from what we've seen in the footage, really a sort of Final Fantasy style game instead of like a traditional brawler? Well, I've been working on RPGs for. A good 20 years myself now. Um, my first game was called Walthross, and I started working on that in 1998, released it in 2002. So it's just always been one of my favorite genres, and it's kind of started to die out in recent days. You don't see as many kind of sprite based RPGs. You're seeing a lot more in a like a resurgence from the indie gaming world, but you're not seeing as many coming from bigger studios anymore. So I'm trying to just get something I loved back into the popular sphere. Okay. Okay. Is that is that how you started uh, making, uh, getting into the indie game scene? Yeah. And um, so it's funny. Um, the first programming I ever did 
was when I was way too young to understand programming or have any idea what I was doing. I was about four or five years old, and my father bought me a book that was Marvel superheroes teaching you how to code in basic. And it was just these really simple, fairly terrible games. Mm-hmm. And it, I didn't really know what I was doing because I was, yeah, I was around five years old. But it was kind of a family bonding experience of him helping me learn all that. So I've just been interested in making games ever since. Okay, so I mean, obviously, I mean, how long was it really sort of between starting off with that code and then before you started making sort of games as sort of like a career, really? Was it sort of like a gradual progression that you were sort of like trying to evolve each time with each game that you made or... Was it so that you just decided one day that you were going to set out and try and make a career of making independent games? Yeah, so I've, I've been making games for a long, long time, but it wasn't until 2013 that I actually tried to make any money off of them. Um, everything before then had just been released for free. They had been on PC, Mac, and Linux. Um, a few years ago, I started porting some of my games over to Android, and they've seen some nice popularity there, and they're free downloads. So if you search for Super Walrus games on the Google Play Store, you'll find a bunch of free games. Um, so it was in 2013 I made Seacane, and that was kind of my attempt to make something that was broader and more mainstream, and it was still a uh, 16-bit style RPG. And basically I started working on that when a lot of gaming websites were talking about how everything, the newest story-based game, everything was the Citizen Kane of gaming. <laughs> So I wanted to kind of riff on that by making a game that adapted Citizen Kane itself, but got everything wrong. So you have this beautifully shot, composed film with great cinematography that invented so many techniques. And I just made this ugly game where everything kind of looks like it's made of cardboard. And it, a lot of the jokes are you have references to the film and the actors and the characters, but they're all wrong. <laughs> and it was just a it was a lot of dumb jokes, and I just had a lot of fun with that, and it had some decent success for me. Okay, and with your sort of style of games that you make, would you say the the mainly in sort of like the comedy vein, or do you just approach each game and see sort of what path it's going to take as you're making it? I actually sort of alternate between just really jokey projects and really personal ones. So Seacane was just outright ridiculous satire. After that, I worked on a game called Ghost Towns, and that was more of a puzzle game. And it was very heavily narratively driven. It was a lot of surreal imagery, but not surreal to the point that it's nonsensical. I hope it meant something to the people who played it. And that was a really personal project. A lot of it was taking bits of ideas I've had over the years and kind of purging them out. So I took a lot of unfinished characters and games I'd started but never really did anything with, and I threw them into this kind of purgatory game where you're this lost soul trying to find your way out of this weird town, solving all kinds of puzzles. And that one didn't have any success. No one downloaded that game. So it meant a lot to me, but it was not something that the mainstream really had any interest in. And that was fine. So with Kaiju... I'm moving back to something that's funnier. It's much more family-friendly. The atmosphere I'm going for is really a Saturday morning cartoon. And I hope that that 
appeals to a wide audience of not just people who know Kaiju Big Battle, but also people that remember 16-bit RPGs like the older Final Fantasies. But I also really hope that new audiences will be able to get into it. Yeah, so how long have you been in development for uh, for um, Kaiju, Kaiju Big Battle, uh, the Final Fantasy one? So I approached Studio Kaiju in early 2014 to start discussing this. And we didn't really start development until early 2015. So in between that time, I ended up hiring a graphics artist, and that is Soda Piggy. And he has been excellent, and I have been very pleased with everything he's put out. And I also hired some musicians, Glock and Mr. 8-Bit, and they've worked on several games with me. And I'm very happy to have them on board for this. So, so that was basically a year of planning, talking to Studio Kaiju about what characters would use, what I could do with them, how far I could you know, change any of the characters without them no longer being recognizable. And then development really kicked off in 2015. Okay. I mean, obviously, if you're working side-by-side with uh, Studio Kaiju, I mean, did they put any sort of restrictions on the sort of game that you were making or how characters were presented at all? Or did they sort of give you cop lunch in terms of what you could and uh, couldn't, could and couldn't do? I had pretty free reign in what kind of game it is. And the only things they requested were specific characters that they wanted to have appear. And basically that I could do what I wanted with the characters without going too far. So I'm not going to be killing off any major characters. <laughs> um, none of the heroes are going to turn evil, even though that sometimes happens in actual kaiju battles. So they've given me a lot of freedom, and they've been really great. Yeah, I have to say, it, just from the fanboy perspective, there is certainly a thrill when you see like the pixel art version of Dr. Cube, for example. Yeah. Um and I really have to say that you've just from a, this is basically just going off the footage we have obviously seen, which was on the uh, Steam Greenlight campaign, and you recently obviously got greenlit uh, through Steam. So congratulations again for achieving that. Thank it's you. Great that the community came out and supported this game. I mean, from when we saw that first trailer, we, I was, was certainly excited to see it, and you certainly, from what we see, you've captured the spirit of these characters, and I have to say the fact using pixel art style i mean was that a sort of conscious decision or was it just the limitations of obviously working with a smaller smaller team yeah it was part of it was working with a smaller team but part is also just i have a love of that style of art and soda piggy's art in particular i've always been a fan of and i've known him for a long time but i've never worked with him on a project before so i was really excited to have a chance to have his art in one of my games would you say that there's a general appeal right now of making um, more retro-style games and using, like, pixel art? Because you do see a lot of them now uh, pop up in, like, uh, the the Steam pages um, here and there. Yeah, you absolutely do. And it's funny because I've, I've been making this style of game for almost 20 years. So when I first started with this graphic style and this type of engine, it wasn't retro then. But now I've gotten old and it's retro. <laughs> <laughs> there's something about the 16-bit sort of graphics when you look at games and like the snares and the mega drive and they still look as good now as if you look at the later consoles sort of like the playstation dreamcast onwards 
they don't tend to age as well. Like time isn't as forgiving to that 3D style as it is to the lovely 16-bit style. And there's a, I don't know what it is for myself. 16-bit, it feels like it's got the same sort of warmth as vinyl. There's just, uh, I yeah. don't know whether it's just nostalgia washing over me or the fact that all the colors and images look pretty much the same as I remember them being because obviously there hasn't been a huge amount of advancements within that sort of style. So, Yeah, I can agree with that. With obviously making the Final Fantasy style game for the Kaiju uh, Big Battle uh, fans, I mean, do you think that this is a, the sort of game that would appeal to people outside of like their main sort of fan base? Because obviously they already have a pretty rabid fan base in, in place already. Uh, but do you think this game has got sort of like the ability to reach sort of fans outside that established fan base? I hope so. And um, part of what I've done with this game is I've really tried to write it so that you don't need to be familiar with these characters to enjoy it. Now, obviously, for big fans, they'll get a kick out of seeing cameos of their favorite characters and playing with these heroes they've followed for years. But I really don't want to alienate newcomers. So one of the things I did is that there's a database in the game that briefly gives you a little bit of backstory on every hero. And I kept them brief. I kept them to two text boxes so you don't overwhelm anyone with information that they may or may not need. And it was an interesting challenge of finding a voice for these characters because aside from Dr. Cube, most of them never speak at the shows. <laughs> so I kind of I had to create a style of speaking for each of them kind of just based on their body language from when they fight from the kinds of moves they do. So if you have a character who acts really cocky in the ring, I try to translate that into their dialogue and that's been a fun challenge. Yeah. Cause I've just, I mean, until you just mentioned it now, I was like, I just realized that you're right, that not many of them do actually speak. It's like when you look at like Gobimon, you just associate him and his Battle of Toxic Sludge or Super Wong with his disco dancing opening. And that's basically what you take as their character. You don't assume that uh, these characters don't actually speak because they're so flamboyant and exaggerated in their movements that they kind of sell themselves without having that speak. Whereas obviously Dr. Cube is like this evil mastermind character. So it's kind of kind of a given that he would have like promos and things to sell that sort of character especially in terms of story so um i mean have you added any characters of your own is there any sort of like kaiju that are going to be exclusive to this game or is it sort of within the confines of the uh the big battle roster so all of the playable characters stick to their roster same with the villains um there are a lot of human characters that are created for this as NPCs, and some of them are fairly important to the plot. And none of them are as flamboyant as the heroes and villains, and I think it's important to not distract it from them. So you have NPCs around town that I hope are fun to talk to, and nearly every one of them has some dialogue choices. And they're fairly meaningless choices in the end. There's no, like renegade or paragon option there's no good or evil it's just do you kind of want to be chill with this person who just said this weird thing to you or do you want to be a jerk to them and it doesn't really matter it's just flavor for the player and i just want them to feel like they're really in this town they're sassing these people they're kind of embarrassing them walking you know it's a giant rabbit walking around a town in egypt and some people see him as maybe this is a god. Some people just see him as a strange, weird 
weirdo who was wearing sheep's wool who just came out from over the hills. So I really want to have a lot of that kind of humor in it. But I also, I want the game to be able to be serious at times, and I don't want it, like, I don't mean that in a way where that would distract from the comedy, but I want there to be some parts where it can be kind of dark and not have quips that undercut that. And I think it's important that the game takes itself seriously while being funny, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it, there's satirical elements to it, obviously, but I don't want the game to feel like it's embarrassed of itself. So it's it's very light satire of Final Fantasy or Dragon Quest, but not mockery. And I think that's important in a comedy. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. You know, so as a newcomer into this, I, like, just listening to what you were saying before and, um, you know, how it's, you know, you don't want to isolate it to just the fans. I can really see that because just by looking at um, the trailer the first time that I saw it and, like, you have the dialogue going and you have this, like, kind of, you create a really nice tone that's, that's re- just creates like a fun environment to enter into the game. And it doesn't make it feel like you really need to know too much about it. I mean, obviously, I did more research on t- into um, the Kaiju Big Battle because we have this chat that we're doing right now. Um, but I really like, I, I think it's a really nice um, way that you're approaching this project. Thank you. I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> so I also want to know... Um, so for the world uh, creation, where are you drawing inspiration? So part of the kind of lore of the Kaiju Big Battle is that they fight all over the Earth. And unfortunately, that's been mostly constrained to the United States due to logistical reasons, <laughs> though they are actually, they've had a few shows in Canada and they have another one coming up. Um, so I thought it would be fun to just take the characters on a world tour. So each zone of the game is a different place in the world and a different place in history and the order of the game is arranged historically so you start out in ancient egypt you go ahead a few hundred years into rome um we skip into early 1900s in russia and then we go to the 70s in boston which finally brings us up in the final historical area to the far distant past of 2014 in tokyo (laughs) i love the fact that you end in tokyo it's sort of like it just seems like the yeah. inevitable place. If you've got a giant monster, they will inevitably end up in Tokyo. So, oh yeah, they have to. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be super honest here. Is that when I first saw this game, I was like, "This looks like Kings Kings of Tokyo, the board game that they have." Because <laughs> I had I knew nothing about it, but it was like big monsters and fights and stuff like that. Yep. Yeah, it's. I mean, I love the fact that. It, as we said already, the fact it's a Final Fantasy game, it's not just like you're doing Rampage with uh, Kaiju Big Battle or like Fire yeah. Pro or something like that. You, the, you've actually gone in this very unique direction with the game and the fact that you're bringing satirical elements to it. It seems like something completely different. In a way, I can't help but also think of like the likes of Paper Mario and the fact that you're going around. I mean, with the actual question system, I mean, is it going to be the case that you will meet and pick up characters as you go around, or do you sort of pick your set group from the start and you you carry them through? Yeah, so the structure is you start out with two of the kaiju heroes, and in each zone you go to, you pick up another one. And you have four characters in an active party at any time. 
So after the first couple zones, you have to start building your party based on who you've recruited. And in every story scene, all of the heroes are there. So they all get to show up. They all get to show off their personality and make their jokes. But in battle, it becomes important to strategically pick the four heroes who will best suit this area. Okay. And do you have any personal favorites at all? Or? Dusto Bunny is my personal favorite. I just love the idea that this wise sage character is absolutely filthy and disgusting. <laughs> and he has these horrible face tendrils that are maybe supposed to be whiskers, but they're kind of these fleshy growths coming off of his face. And when he fights in the ring in the live shows, pieces of him just fly off the entire time. He's generally covered in powder, so he has an odor, and he's just a complete mess. And I've just always found him hilarious. So his weapon set in this game, rather than having like swords or axes or anything, is he uses various forms of dirt. So in Egypt, he gets sand, and he can just throw sand and garbage at enemies. He'll find some rubble later on. So while some of the heroes are more traditional, so you have American Beetle, who's a boxer, he gets new boxing gloves. You have Pedro Plantain, he uses a machete. But Dusto Bunny is just this bizarre character who is just filthy and horrible, and I love him for that. <laughs> That's great. Just the idea of a character just go out and just throwing dirt and and that. It's, <laughs> I think this is the problem with RPGs. They're too, um, they're too precious with their characters. No one wants to. I think not since what perhaps what Final Fantasy VII that uh, when we had Cat Meowth, um, that <laughs> yep. that we obviously have seen seen like that sort of character. I mean. I'm just like going just in my mind as it goes to Final Fantasy and then the other thing I can think of is just Walker with his amazing uh, fighting ability of throwing a football at people. So, yep. <laughs> I, think, yeah, so uh, I, I, I hope I can capture that kind of silliness and I hope people really take to it. I, I hope so. Um, I yeah. would obviously with the game heading to Steam. Um, is this just going to be a PC release or is there plans to bring it over to like the consoles at all? Right now, the plan is PC, Mac, and Linux, um, and we should have an Andrew, uh, Andrew, an Android port slightly after that. I would absolutely love to see it on consoles. Um, it's not really in the cards right now unless the game is successful. Um, and at that point, I would talk to the guys who are making our engine, um, James and Ralph, who I'm sure will be watching this, and... They've been working on this engine I've used forever, and I've known these guys for an extremely long time, and they've just been great to work with. And it's been nice that when I run into kind of limitations with this engine, they're often very accommodating, and they will try to kind of give me what I want, <laughs> and I absolutely appreciate that. So who knows? If it's a hit, maybe we look into console development. Cool. Yeah, so... So since you're already talking about, um, you know, we've mentioned a few names already about your team. How, how many people are actually working on the game right now? So most of the time, it is me and Soda Piggy. We have a lot of conversations about what should go into the game, and he does all of the graphic work. Um, Glock and 8-Bit work on the music, and I give them a lot of free reign, and I love what they come up with. And they've really given this game a funk-heavy soundtrack. So it doesn't sound a lot like traditional games do, and 
that's been true of all the soundtracks they've made for me. They made the soundtrack to Sea Can, they made the soundtrack to Ghost Towns, and they made a soundtrack to a game that I wish I had finished, but I never released. And thankfully, I could reuse some of that music in later projects. And so we have the two of them, and James and Ralph worked on this engine, the OHR engine. And they've had a team of other people who have supported other developers who have come on board at various times. They are the two principal developers. So they work on the engine, and there's dozens of us that use this engine. And they're not directly connected with the Kaiju project, but they've been very helpful to me throughout it. So I would say four of us plus that outside development team. Okay. And with obviously working with people like Soda Piggy for the art and that, I mean, is it a case of that you sort of like giving him sort of like hand-drawn sketches of what you would like, or do you just basically just describe it and he goes off and, uh, and tries to interpret what you're, what you're saying? So at first we tried just interpreting what I was saying and it worked, but it was more difficult than it needed to be. And we started really going back and forth with sketches after that. So all of the monsters we've designed for these various areas. So a lot of the minor monsters you encounter are not kaijus. They might be like a mummy or a giant rat because who doesn't love fighting giant rats in RPGs? And so for those, we will do sketches back and forth for the stages. We've tried to make them loyal to what these areas look like in history. And so we've looked at old pieces of art or for the more modern areas, we've looked at photographs for the Boston scenario with me being in the Boston area. I was able to get a lot of decent photos to send over him as resources. So we've tried to base a lot of the landscapes on the real world while obviously making them cartoony. Okay. Um, And is there any sort of plans to, promote this directly with uh, Kaiju Big Battle? I mean, any plans to do anything at events, or is you sort of like doing it as this separate thing to what they're obviously doing with their shows? Yeah, so we're kind of just playing it by ear now, and they've been great about promoting us on Facebook and Twitter. So hopefully once the game is actually complete, they'll be able to promote it a little bit more at the live events. Obviously, uh, to finish off, I mean, we obviously talked about yeah, your history as an independent game developer and obviously about the game itself. I mean, when you were coming up as a gamer, I mean, was there any particular favorite games that you had or that you uh, that you find yourself constantly coming back to? Well, when I was young, the game that really got me into RPGs was Final Fantasy IV. And it still remains one of my favorite RPGs in that style. And I love that it's a fairly short game. It has fantastic pacing. Something big happens every half hour. And that's something I've really tried to capture in my games. I don't want to waste the player's time. I don't want them to have to grind. I don't want them to have to walk through long, empty hallways hoping that something's going to happen. So with Final Fantasy IV, I just loved how rapid-fire every event was. And in that game, of course, every other character dies. And character deaths come out of nowhere. And then half of them end up being alive again. So it has this kind of nonstop soap opera insanity that I still really love. And when looking at modern games, my favorite series right now is Sega's Yakuza series. And which does have RPG elements as lots of exploration, talking to people. But it's also a brawler, of course. Yeah. 
And something that I love about those games are their side quests. Because they, you have this main story that's generally a fairly serious story about crime and about family. And then you have these bizarre side quests where in the recently released Yakuza 0, you're basically protecting Michael Jackson from zombies on the set of Thriller. And it's ludicrous. And these side quests generally don't give you much of a reward, but they're all worth doing just because of how funny they are. So yeah. that's something I'm really trying to incorporate into Kaiju, that I don't want players to feel obligated to spend hours hunting down 20 rats. I want them to interact with the people in town, find these strange characters, and just have fun seeing who they are. And I hope that there's enough to that. that they'll want to do all of the side quests, even if the rewards aren't that great. Okay. I mean, I also have to ask the challenge of programming NPCs in, in a game, because certainly so many times when you when you play rpgs especially and you go into like a village situation and you go around and speaking to everyone hoping to get that valuable piece of information um i know that especially with shemu the fact that you would chase after someone down the street only for them to like go i'm tired and it's like well that was a waste <laughs> of time i mean is yep. it a particular challenge to try and find something interesting for your npcs to say or do you have like a stock um stock group of responses I really try to make them all mean something. So I don't want anyone who's just completely useless, unless, of course, that's the joke. And sometimes it is funny to make someone chase down a character who has nothing to say. <laughs> but for the most part, everyone you encounter either gives you something useful to do in town, gives you a side quest, or just adds to the overall story. So in each of these areas you go, Dr. Cube has been showing up and making a nuisance of himself. So a lot of the townspeople will talk about him. Some love him, some hate him. And the way they see him changes from zone to zone as he's learning what it means to be, you know, a globetrotting megalomaniac. So it's been... I Writing the NPCs is actually one of my favorite parts of the game. I've really enjoyed doing interactions with them. Yeah, well, definitely, like, writing like writing dialogue and keeping it animated and creative i'm definitely sure that like listening to all your um like it's just it seems like there's so much imagination into how to put this to bring this like into a video game um so do you currently have a release uh, date for for the game paul we're hoping it'll be finished in the first half of this year and i don't want to make a hard promise on that but it's about two-thirds complete right now and development's been going smoothly um i was derailed for a while because my daughter was recently born and obviously that made it impossible to focus on anything else but <laughs> yeah. i'm really getting really getting back into development again so hopefully by the end of june but if not i hope people are understanding if it needs to take another month or two but Absolutely this year. Awesome. Well, we're certainly, uh, certainly one that we're looking forward to to uh, seeing when it's obviously released, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to get that reviewed uh, when it uh, hits Steam, as you said, later this year. Yep. Yeah. 
So obviously, uh, Paul, if people were to find the game or find your gaming company or anything, um, what, would, what would be the link that they'd hit up? Um, so our link is superwalrusland.com. And that website covers both Super Walrus games and Wobble Reviews, which is a review blog I run, which I've not put as much love into in the last year as I would like while I've been busy with the game development. But I write about games and movies there, and also on superwalrusland.com. I have some bizarre short stories and horrible art, if anyone wants to check that out, (laughs) and sort of see what they're diving into before playing the kaiju game Fantastic. i think that uh, i think that your trailer should be the one thing they should be looking at on the steam Greenlight page because uh, i thought that was really great um so this wraps up this episode uh, we'd love to thank paul for joining us and talking to us about um kaiju big battle phyto fantasy <laughs> it's a bit of a mouthful but you got it there yeah <laughs> Thanks so much for watching. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe. Head over to our home base, thatmomentin.com, to read our game reviews, to get gaming news and releases every single day. Follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at GameWarp Podcast. And hang out with us over at Twitch um, on twitch.tv forward slash GameWarp Podcast to watch our streams. Um, And to listen to us on the go, you can find us on iTunes and Podomatic. Uh, That's it for today. Bye.